Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A new state audit finds major problems with the state's Child Abuse Central Index, also called CACI. It's a database that tracks child abuse cases across the state. The audit only reviewed six of California's 58 counties, but found information gaps in tens of thousands of cases. KQED's Sarah Hosseini reports. California's Department of Justice uses CACI to conduct background checks on individuals who want to care for children, such as those seeking to foster kids or open a daycare. But in a four-year period ending just last year, a review found that more than half of cases of child abuse the county substantiated were missing from that database. That's 22,000 suspected abusers unaccounted for, and that's only in the six counties studied. There are 58 counties in California. At the same time, several hundred others were mistakenly listed, potentially limiting their job prospects. And so hearing that there um, were so many discrepancies was definitely alarming. Susanna Niffen is Senior Policy Director with Oakland-based nonprofit Children Now. Niffen says child welfare systems are notoriously antiquated, but she says the scope of the failures was surprising. It wasn't just on the side of the counties, but also that some of the problems really did come from Department of Justice as well. And so at all stages and at all areas of this process, we need some cleanup. The state auditor blames an outdated system that relies on postal mail and manual inputting by DOJ employees and county social workers. Among the proposed fixes, amending state law to streamline this county to state reporting. For the California Report, I'm Sarah Hosseini. After a very long meeting yesterday, Democrats in the state assembly have settled on a new speaker to replace Anthony Rendon. But as KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer reports, exactly when Robert Rivas will become the next assembly speaker is still unclear. Assemblyman Rivas announced last week he'd secured enough votes to succeed Rendon as speaker, but that left a lot of details unanswered. Yesterday, Assembly Democrats spent six hours behind closed doors hashing out next steps. Rendon isn't ready to step down, and Rivas, who represents a rural district on the Central Coast, didn't have the votes to topple Rendon. After the meeting, the two issued a joint statement, Rendon congratulating Rivas for putting together a diverse coalition, and Rivas saying he looked forward to a smooth transition down the road. But it's unclear exactly when or even whether Rivas will take over. With a new crop of freshman assembly members heading to Sacramento after the November election, he'll have to line up his votes yet again. If he eventually succeeds, Rivas, the son of farm workers, will be the first speaker in modern times to come from a mostly rural district. But first, lawmakers have a lot of work to do, with the primary election next week and the June 15th deadline to pass a state budget a week later. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer in San Francisco.
Let's turn to immigration. This week, the Biden administration launches a new system for hearing migrants' asylum claims at the U.S.-Mexico border. Rather than sending asylum seekers into the overburdened immigration courts, cases will be decided by asylum officers in six cities, including San Francisco and Los Angeles. KQED's immigration editor, Taiki Hendricks, reports. It can take years to get an asylum ruling in immigration court. The new plan is meant to speed up the process, with asylum officers conducting interviews and making decisions in a few months. I think it's a step in the right direction, hold some promise. That's UC Davis Law School Dean Kevin Johnson, an expert on immigration law. And it shows an administration trying to deal with some very complicated issues about numbers, about asylum claims, uh, and about treating people with some degree of humanity. For those seeking protection, it could mean a less adversarial office interview rather than cross-examination in a courtroom. Still, some advocates worry migrants will have just a few weeks to find legal help. And if they're denied asylum, they'll go into a streamlined deportation proceeding. But Johnson points out that the six initial cities have a lot of immigration lawyers. You go to San Francisco, I'm not saying that everybody can get an attorney, but there's a pretty strong pro bono network where they may be able to get assistance. The new system will phase in gradually, starting with a few hundred asylum seekers a month. For The California Report, I'm Taiki Hendricks. Speaking for the first time since he was named a cardinal by Pope Francis, Bishop Robert McElroy, who leads the Roman Catholic Diocese of San Diego, says he was deeply honored to be chosen. Here's McElroy speaking at a news conference yesterday. I said a big prayer. I mean, I, I said several prayers because I was stunned and, and so shocked by this. So, yes, I did pray, but it was prayer for Thanksgiving. It was prayer and gratitude to my family and to many people who have helped form me over the years. And Bishop McElroy says he believes Pope Francis selected him for a couple of reasons. There's no cardinal now west of Houston, so there was a desire to have a cardinal on the West Coast. As you know, this pope is very concerned about migrants and refugees, and we're a diocese on the border. So we face all of those issues, and we have a very large immigrant population here, and particularly within the Catholic community. McElroy also says his concerns about climate change and the environment, issues that deeply concern Pope Francis, likely played a role in his selection. McElroy also says he has not spoken to Pope Francis, but has received a number of calls and texts congratulating him. Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at osh.com. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul, for 30 years or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2000 miles. The snap Desert podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
In L.A., the Los Angeles City Council has voted in favor of drafting new municipal ordinances that will ban homeless encampments within 500 feet of all schools and daycare centers in the city. The decision is supported by L.A. Unified Superintendent Alberto Carvajo, who spoke during yesterday's council meeting. I've seen elementary schools with conditions that none of us as parents would find acceptable for our children. Individuals with mental illness, some of them absolutely unclothed, shouting profanities. Nithya Raman was one of the two council members to vote no on the proposal. Taking tents down, putting things into storage, and keeping sidewalks clear because everyone has been housed at those encampments, that takes more beds and more housing units than we currently have available to us in the city of Los Angeles. Critics also argue this will push homeless encampments to other locations with no solution for permanent housing for these individuals. Cal Fire says crews have made significant progress in containing a wildfire in an area northeast of the city of Napa this morning. The old fire, which has burned 570 acres, is now 15% contained. It started yesterday afternoon and at one point threatened several structures. Residents who were ordered to leave their homes because of the fire have been allowed to return. And as spring turns to summer, fire season is inevitably coming. So Cal Fire, the state's firefighting agency, is staffing up. KQED Shireen Kareem has the details. Robert Foxworthy, a Cal Fire spokesperson, says all stations in Northern California will be fully staffed by next week. Those large fires start happening on a more regular basis, and we move into that time of increased fire activity. We're fully staffed and ready to respond with everything that we have to throw at. Foxworthy says firefighters are better equipped this year than previous years, with a new fleet of helicopters to help tackle wildfires. As wildfire season approaches, Cal Fire advises people to have their emergency supply kit and evacuation plan ready. For the California Report, I'm Shereen Cream. A new report shows that a lot of people in Kern County and the state Central Valley are struggling economically. The study comes from the Kern High Road Coalition, an initiative of the California Workforce Development Board. UC Merced's Dr. Ed Flores worked on the report and says four out of 10 Kern County workers don't earn a living wage in a part of the state known for its agriculture and energy industries. So that means four out of 10 Kern workers had earnings so low that they were experiencing chronic and severe housing and food insecurity, and this was third worst in the state. Flores says the report is a reminder that more has to be done to create opportunities for Kern County's most vulnerable residents as the county attempts to diversify its economy. Workers, Latinos, you know, people from marginalized communities, the findings of the report really illustrate the need for economic and workforce development to be engaging these constituencies. And some good news, plenty of new jobs will be created in Kern County with the completion of a massive solar project towards the end of this summer. Our sister station KVPR in Fresno has launched a new podcast series called The Other California. It profiles small towns around the San Joaquin Valley. One episode focuses on the expansion of the cannabis industry in the community of Woodlake and Tulare County. Reporter Kerry Klein has the story. This one for me smells like, if you could imagine, uh, a purple tangerine. I don't know if you can imagine a purple tangerine, but I cannot. 
Especially since what Jose Rivas is holding, it's not a fruit, it's an oil, one of the many he extracted from marijuana. He's the CEO of a company called Premium Extracts, and they squeeze, distill, and steam everything they can from the flower. Essentially what we've developed here is a methodology to isolate the components and the molecules of the cannabis plant, which are responsible for its taste, its flavor, and all the nuanced aroma that comes from each individual cannabis strain. Inside his lab, Rivas shows me freezers packed with tiny vials of yellow and orange oils. It's these oils, called terpenes, that he and I are smell testing. They're kind of like essential oils, but without any THC or CBD. Some are fruity, like pineapple Pez and banana OG. We have some that are heavy, like I would describe as like a far waft of burning sugar and skunk. The language may be goofy, but Rivas isn't messing around. His company has patented its terpene extraction process, and each chapstick-sized vial is worth a few thousand dollars. Rivas says they're used in high-end vaporizer pens. Of course, everybody enjoys the euphoric feeling associated with uh, with recreational cannabis. But there's much more to this plant than just that, uh, and that's what we're trying to, uh, to show the world. Down the street is a warehouse growing 16,000 marijuana plants. The company, known as Seven Points, is a cannabis cultivator. But with big, rustic gathering spaces, CEO Wayne Bishop has ambitions for more. Hopefully even this this year we'll get a non-site consumption permit. So we're trying to make this into like a winery experience. I was just going to say, you could do weddings in here. That's what we're trying to, that's, that's what we're going for. Woodlake was the Valley's earliest adopter of recreational cannabis. As soon as voters approved Prop 64 in 2016, city leaders jumped, welcoming businesses while introducing a sales tax and safety measures. One of those businesses was Valley Pure, which was the first recreational dispensary in the Valley. Here we have all our gummies. They're $10 a pack. Sales associate Monica Fields, also known as a bud tender, points me to brightly lit shelves full of vacuum-sealed flour and a plethora of edibles. Pretzels, brownies, cookies, I mean, you name it, we probably got it. Assistant manager Tommy Field says they've got niche items too, like suppositories. From what I've heard uh, from a friend that his wife used it for her menstrual cramps and then it went away. It completely killed her period symptoms. So it's more for more for the ladies then? More, I yeah, I, I would hope it's more for the ladies. <laughs> for the record, CBD suppositories are marketed to everyone. But not all locals have embraced cannabis. Many worry about being inundated with out-of-towners, and others simply aren't comfortable with the industry. But not the Air Force vet who's stocking up on gummies the day I'm there. He injured his back while serving and says he can't believe it took so long to legalize recreational cannabis. But he's happy Woodlake was ready for it. For The California Report, I'm Carrie Klein in Woodlake. Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org slash health equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, June 1st, everyone. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snap Desert Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.